Hello friends, I'm Steve Cross. Welcome to the first ever episode of The Podden Prometheus. Conceptual mind If no one knows and no one cares, that's you... the only way you can get away with anything in this world. In this series of podcasts, I'm going to be using all of my comedy, audio and mucking about skills to bring you some new people, some new ideas and some new ways of podcasting. Since this is episode one, we're going to start with an old favourite podcast format, The Interview. I, the interviewer, will talk to an incredibly clever interviewee, try and extract interesting facts from about their lives and maybe a few things that the rest of us can learn from and apply to our own ideas. But... Interview podcasts are very boring, aren't they? I feel like interview podcasts have been done to death so many times. We need a new way of doing interview podcasts. So I'm going to interview Zoe McGee, notable literary expert with a number of other strings to her bow. But I'm only going to do it about ideas that start with one letter, in this case, the letter D. Um, So this will be an entirely new way of doing an interview, talking to Zoe entirely about D, but at no point making the obvious joke about D. Enjoy life through a letter. Welcome back, uh, my delicious friends, to Life Through a Letter with me, Steve Cross. Today, we're going to be finding out about another incredible person using only words that start with one letter. And we're going to be taking the letter D over to our special celebrity guest today. Hello, special celebrity guest. Uh, Who are you? Uh, I'm delighted to be here. Um, (laughs) My name's Zoe. You've got a number of incredible achievements. You were a 2018 three-minute thesis semi-finalist I believe I was I was I, I managed to confine my whole thesis into three minutes of talking which only because I've been teaching people how to do three-minute thesis this week and we watched a number of different videos we didn't watch yours because of all the content warnings that would be required <laughs> beforehand oh, it's fine I'm now I'm now no longer Queen Mary's most successful three-minute thesis person anyway um, I know who is the one who did it last year got through to the final Seemed to have done very well. But the person the year before you was Hannah Thompson, who might not have done that well in Three Minute Thesis, but is generally winning at life. That is true. That is true. She does win at life. Okay, Zoe, so uh, maybe I think the best way to find out about you is to dive straight in to some of our fantastic letter D words. Now, I thought I'd start with a nice easy one, nice slow ball, just on off stump, ready for you to uh, cream through the covers. Uh, Dancing. This is yeah. a big big letter D word for you, isn't it, Zoe? Yes. I this feels a bit Sesame Street at times. <laughs> dancing begins with the letter D. Oh no, I've been dancing since I was about three. Um Wow. No, I uh, did the thing that all the kids my age were doing, which was go to the local ballet class at the YMCA. Uh, and I uh, was doing that until I was eighteen. Um, wow. So I'm very stubborn and stick at things, but it was lovely. What's the difference? Like, if you say you were dancing at three, I've got two-year-olds, and my kids, like, jump up and down and shout April dancing and things like that. But at what point does that become you are doing dancing or going to dancing? At the point that someone is there telling you what to do and you're trying to do it. I'm, I'm confused by the idea of a three-year-old who do what anyone tells them. Oh, no, I was I was always... Uh, I was very, very stubborn as a child so if you if I was ordered to do something I wouldn't do it out of principle there's lots of like family videos of my parents trying to get me to sing for the camera and or say you know a message to a a relative and I won't do it until they stop asking me and then I'll do it so you were quite defiant yes I'd say I had a defined sense of uh, my own (laughs) 
what's the word I'm looking for? I don't even think it starts with a D. Um, direction. Right. Okay. I was my okay. own director. I wasn't going to be told what to do. So it was um, it was ballet three to eighteen. Yes. Um, do you still ballet, or are you I, doing something else? I don't. I I was a very very bad ballet dancer, which apparently makes you a good Latin dancer because uh, all the things I did wrong. I'm supposed to do in a different style of dance. So I got to university and I switched over to uh, ballroom and Latin, which has many more sparkles and much better lycra. That does sound like a very specific way to be bad at something. Because I think if you put me on stage, I'd probably be bad at ballet, but nobody would go 10 out of 10, <laughs> 10, out of 10 for ballroom though, Steve. Well, th- that's the thing. You, you, are, you are male and therefore... Anyone would be delighted to have you turn up <laughs> to their ballroom dancing uh, partnering session because that is that is the main quality um, that especially universities look for in their new intakes of students. Um, you have universities a... not crossed the women dancing with women? Because even Strictly has done that now. Well, universities do have that. They have quite a lot of it. Um, same-sex dancing comes up very, very often because more girls sign up to do dance than boys. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a weird thing where there is uh, there's two kinds of same-sex dancing. There is same-sex dancing, which is like more uh, part of the queer community, mm-hmm. which has people dancing with other people because they like it and it's fun, and entering specific like queer-friendly competitions mm-hmm. that are much less prestigious or well-known because reasons. Um, and then you have all ladies dancing. Right. Which is also known as the boot camp for people who weren't good enough to get boys. Oh. Um, <laughs> and so what you see with that is a lot of kids, particularly who are like training up, um, the girls will do all ladies. And so they'll dance as many steps as possible that are the, still the girls' steps so that they don't learn the wrong things. Um, and it's very, very different. <laughs> Incredible. So it sounds like like ballroom's one of those things that if you're a man in his early to mid-twenties and you think you never meet, you know, if you're a straight man and you think, I never meet any women, just ballroom dancing straight away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Not swing dancing. Swing dancing, you'll just meet another load of men in their mid-twenties. Ballroom, ballroom, or musical theatre. That's the other option, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Plenty of money for men in musical theatre. I was... Uh... Always gutted because my school did musicals every year, uh, but never plays, and I can't sing um, oh. or can't sing very well. Uh, and also, I when I do sing, it's in a it's in a guy's range. Okay. And so I was really excited because I was at a girls' school and they were doing a production um, that I knew the songs to, and I could sing the male parts ish as much as I could sing. Um, and they went, oh no, because it's all girls, we're going to raise the male parts to like the standard girls' range, and then we're going to raise the girls' parts higher. And I was like, well, that's just not fair. So I always What's- had a weird little dance part in any show that we did that was never an actual character or an actual thing. I so thought... we did Joseph, and I was the spirit of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was in Joseph. Is that it's a not... special it's... American part? It's... Um, he has a song where he's in a cage, and so they sat our, our Joseph in a cage, and I danced around the cage during the song. <laughs> Incredible, incredible. So some good D words that came up there with the idea of your pitched up um, school musicals. Uh, Risk of deafness, I would have thought. And uh, (laughs) only dogs being able to hear it. Um, And also in terms of you being able to dance and talk but not sing, does that make you a double threat in musical theatre terms? Yes, but unfortunately, musical theatre doesn't care about the other two. 
Um, or they they do, but they're only ever the backing parts. Exactly, exactly. You're essentially furniture. Triple threat is a moves. lie. Is triple threat a lie? Well, yeah. You just need to be able to sing. If you can sing but not act, that's musical theatre. That's that kind is of actually what that's it is. A, that's tenuous. If you can sing and act a bit, but you can't dance, that's really not a problem. Yeah, leading roles only. Yeah. Uh, amazing, brilliant. So that's all about. And um, have you won any uh, medals, any championships? I you, I'm a national are finalist. You a, wait, are you a decorated dancer? I have a giant box of trophies in my cupboard. Yes, that are decorating my flat beautifully. Not even a flat house. That one. That's the yeah. word for a building. That's wonderful. It's good because, you know, we like to hear about winning on this podcast because uh, we all have normal lives. I've pulled out a few of uh, just my favourite D words uh, to talk about. And we're going to start with, I think, what we both agree is the greatest D word of all, defenestration. Have you ever thrown anyone through a window or been thrown through a window? I've wanted to. Yes. Um, can't say I've ever actually done that. And if I had, I probably would still deny it because... Yeah. Uh, Quite right. I think the the other thing is windows are way more durable than people think they are. In the age of D-letter double glazing, mm. I, I remember at school kicking footballs at windows very hard <laughs> on a regular basis. And windows are just like, what, mate? Bring a gun and then maybe. But I think it also assumes that the window is closed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've chucked lots of things through open windows. But that's the thing. If the but window is open... Is it still defenestration? Because if the window's open, isn't that just basically a hole? Like, yeah, how much yeah. glass needs to be present for it to count as a window in the first place? I think as a human, if you're defenestrated and you live, that wasn't defenestration. Because <laughs> um, it's one of these things you see in films. I always chucked him through the window. And uh, every one of us who knows anything about biology is like, that guy's dead. <laughs> Another D word. Uh, right, so you've never been defenestrated. That's really, really, really good. Um, let's do another quick D word. Dark chocolate, for or against? For. Interesting. Now, are you only saying that because of your like personal brand and image as a refined dancer <laughs> who reads a lot of literature, or do you actually like dark chocolate? I actually like dark chocolate. Okay, so you have been denying yourself pleasure all this time of having actual sweets that are nice. Oh, no. I don't, I don't limit myself to dark chocolate. Okay. It's just one in a... In a... What's a what's a D word for like medley or smorgasbord? Is there Delights. A... Yeah. Uh, in your snack diary. <laughs> okay, let's um, do a D word that you taught me the correct pronunciation of. <laughs> you can say it. Deshabier. Yes. Now, is this the sort of word that comes up in your life a lot, Zoe? Because you know you're you're a refined person. You you dance. You read books. We'll come on to that. And. Um, you you live on top of a hill. Um, is is this the sort of is this the sort of thing people in your circle say all the time? It's the sort of thing I aspire to. I think I, I it comes up in my work more than in my real life because right. most people don't talk like that, sadly. But also because when I try and look dishabby, I just look like I I'm a bit dishevelled and a bit of a mess. And there's an important distinction between dishevelled. And, and so I want to get to that distinction or difference. Where's the line, right? If if people out there are trying to be like, I want to look messy but good, where's how do we how do we get across that line? You've clearly spent time thinking about this. I think part of it's to do with expense, right? Deshabier is a lot more expensive than dishevelled, um, and it sort of looks like you haven't tried. It's like bedhead, like the bedhead trend. 
Yeah. You haven't tried, but you definitely actually had to had to try. Okay. Um, so there's a level of deceit involved. Yeah, yeah. And uh, distress management. <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I suppose that's, if you go too far, if you start deshabillé and you end up dishevelled, once you go past that, you become distressed. And after that, you become damaged and possibly yeah. dead. It's uh, also about managing desire. Deshabillé yes. is kind of, it's got to be, you know, the right kind of dishevelled. It's got to be the right kinds of things that are out of place. So if you've, you know, you, if you've got, uh, if you've got, you know, if you've like a, if you've got mud on your face, it's going to be very artfully placed to accentuate your cheekbones. It's not going right. to just be like you've got shit in your eye. Oh, so like uh, contouring with very uh, natural mud. contouring. Natural contouring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my just... favourite um, Lord of the Rings random facts was that all the all the dirt that they had uh, had to be sterilised and kept in the fridge with a use by date of uh, three days. Because they couldn't put real dirt on the actors' faces because of health and safety, so you had just fridges full of dirt with, yeah, sell-by dates on. That's a great D-word fact about dirt. Where? How did you? Are you a Lord of the Rings expert? A doyen? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I grew up. I grew up. That was my dad's bedtime story of choice for seven-year-old me, and it took us an entire year to finish reading. So we did it in real time. Oh, he's a brave man. Like, <laughs> I've got kids. I'm not sure. I'm like, let's do an hour, hour a night of this. Um, should we just watch the films instead? But then you won't go to sleep, you know? Well, films the films, too the films weren't made when I was seven. No, but the bad film was. Oh, the, the, the animated one? Yeah. The oh, semi-animated, messy, they've only done one of the books one. Oh, no. I mean, I we were, we were into it enough that I used to watch that all the time. Mm. I had... The dramatized, there is another D word, dramatized version uh, of the radio show on tape. No. I had The Hobbit on tape. I had a, a graphic novel of The Hobbit. No, let's test how bad it goes, right? Okay. So there's, I've read The Hobbit, I've read The Lord of the Rings. Normal, but a bit of a nerd, right? <laughs> the Silmarillion. Nah. Oh, so I you're was, not that so, bad. There's not, levels I was below going... the Silver Million. The, the unfinished histories is where you're really like you threw your childhood away. Yeah, no, I kind of, I loved the stories. I didn't love the writing. Um, I found it a bit dry. Nice, good D word. Yeah, I think the story's great, but I, I'm, I, I, weirdly, as a nerd and as a language nerd, I wasn't that interested in all of the language and all of the medieval stuff. And so I probably you didn't came like all of Tolkien's jokes about how like every king is called an Anglo-Saxon word for king? Or... I mean, I, I was seven, Steve. Okay, I, I didn't no, but... know all of that then. Maybe if I came back to it now. Um... I don't know what a prodigy you were. You were ballet dancing at three. So on, on, a, on a drama note of, of pro- prodigies, probably just a strong term, but we had a, an after-school club. We used to have to do talent shows. And <gasps> I, I was, I was going to sing something. I, I'm so glad I didn't. It was going to be very bad. It was going to have actions to the words. There wasn't going to be any backing music because I was uh, technically defeated by the tape no. recorder. Um no. So I was just going to sing something and do little dance moves. And then I, uh, yeah, I read a book. I, I have, I'm historically very influenced by books I read. My parents have used this as a parenting strategy in the past. Ooh. Um, but I read a book called Ballet Shoes where the kids in it do theatre auditions. And I decided I'll do the same thing they do. And I'll recite a Shakespearean speech at my local YMCA talent show. Um, and so that's what I did. And everyone was very confused. <laughs> What was the speech? It was Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream. How much of it's still in your mind? The whole thing. 
Give us, <laughs> give us a snippet. If you can do it as the little version of you who did it in the talk show, that would be amazing. Because oh, no. I'm assuming she was quite precocious. Oh yeah, no, my dad, my dad taught me some actions to go with it as well. Which thankfully, I, I've blocked from my mind. Um, you were the, you were the sort of child who would say, uh, "Daddy, actually, it's pronounced pedantic." <laughs> I'd already written my first petition by then, so uh, yeah. For later so, bedtimes. Uh, for earlier lunch times at school, I was a very <laughs> slow eater, and we kept being called in last, and I didn't have time to finish my sandwich, so I was very distressed. Um, oh, good D word. Distressed, very good. Um, uh, so you needed lots of time for your degustation. Yes. I might have pronounced it wrong. No, I think that's... Yeah, the act or function of tasting. There we go. I've got a dictionary open, friends, because that's what we always do on uh, Life Through a Letter. On the subject of which, Zoe, right, let's find out about your food. What's uh, What's for dinner in the Zoe's Dreams? Oh man, I, I'm struggling to actually want to eat anything at the moment. Right. Yeah. Everything yeah, yeah. feels kind of done already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's been a, a whole lockdown of just endless dinner, and yeah, nobody wants any more dinner. No, no, no. I I found that um, I'm not bothered about making things because I'm not out trying things. Because the thing that spurs me to make dinner usually is that I've had something somewhere else, and I think I could do this better. I can make better vegan fish and chips than this. Um, so I go home and I do it and then everybody's like wow this is amazing but like there's nothing to show off here it's like I've just made D word dal just loads of dal so what um, you're missing is the dichotomy between <laughs> uh, the restaurant and your own home cooking what I'm looking missing is the chance to defeat professionals at their own game <laughs> but to be fair they probably have to make 250 portions at a time whereas I only have to make two you can deploy a singular a singular dish <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had to have an English grad on this show. Let's pick out some more favourite fun words. Uh, distance. Has, has, have there been parts of your life where you've travelled a long way or been a long way away from those that you desire? Love. I desire is the wrong word, but I wanted the love word that started with D. Desire makes it super creepy. Uh, I've always been very efficient. Uh, and therefore have usually found people in the same geographical location as myself. Right. Because that just makes everything everything easier. It's the number uh, one secret of living in London is go out with somebody who's a maximum five bus stops away from you. Because <laughs> once you're like, when I used to internet date, um, mm -hmm. that was a terrible thing. You meet someone up at a pub somewhere. They're like, where do you live? And they go clap and you're like, nah, you're out. See, I, I am deeply, I was going for a better word, deeply bad at dating. Right. Um, but you've got can't... dancing, you don't need to. Well, exactly, That's that's been you one of the all, strategies. You can all fight over the one man who's there. <laughs> He's having a whale of a time. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't think I've ever casually dated anyone and not ended up going out with them. Wow, good uh, news for anyone who gets to go on a casual date with Zoe there. <laughs> it's uh, going somewhere. Uh, now, I've, I've discovered a new word that I wanted yes. to share with you because I have no idea how to pronounce it. Dipnosophist? I'll give you the definition. A person who is adept at conversation at table. So uh, if there was a dinner out, uh, would you say you're a, a dipe, a dipe nosophist? Are you, are you, do you give good chat? I think it depends on who's around the table with me. If they are also nerds, then yeah, I'm excellent. Right. If it's a table of small talk. Um, oh no. 
then my conversational skills would fall on deaf ears. Right, good, good, good. Um, I would be deeply self-conscious <laughs> about my... Uh, about my doctorate because they'll ask me what I do and then I have to come up with like a dinner party friendly version of what I do. So let's dive in. What is the doctorate? How developed is the doctorate? I was nearly finished. Yes! It's got it's got like the final edits going on. It's, it's got maybe two months left of doctorate. Yeah, and then you get to dump it. Well yeah, then I get to do something else with it. <laughs> Try and publish it or do something to make it seem remotely useful. So what is it? Come on, tell the listeners. Uh, yes. Get I, some D words in. Oh, God. Uh, I read dense books about damsels in distress <laughs> um, to demonstrate that the debate around... I don't think there's a D word I think you've for, got to let consent. yourself have some normal words. Yeah, you? yeah. Uh, to demonstrate that the way we think about consent now was also how we thought about consent 250 years ago. Uh, and that, yeah, people didn't magically start disliking being creeped on in the last 10 years or wow. in the last 50 years. It's something that, weirdly, we've disliked for a long time, for decades even. And yet, yet weirdly, so much popular culture depicts essentially stalking as the way to win love. Yeah, well, that's one. Of, weirdly, that's that's a that's another thing that the uh, the books talk about because they are very they talk a lot about persistence being uh, annoying because uh, uh. it's already a trope in the 18th century that kind of continuing to hound someone is deeply romantic, and they're 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 no. writing these books being like, no. this is really really annoying. No, don't do it. Why are no. you doing that? Crikey. Okay, so to recover from the doctorate, let's dive into mm. drinks and the distillery. Um, what, what do you what do you have to relax after a hard day of uh, digging into people deciding whether it's okay for them than someone else to do what they want to do or not? Well, I'll have been mainlining tea all day. Okay. Um, because I run on caffeine, which I realise doesn't start with a D, but there's just that just isn't a good. Uh, no. decaffeinated beverage no that's quite right that's quite right um so tea all was day a terrible part come, come the evening um, if, if yes. you're off on one of these if casual dates that turns into a lifelong <laughs> romance what uh what are you having probably gin distilled gin distilled distilled good um, good, good double distilled sooner i mean let's not overdo it just distill it right the first time yeah you would think you would think they could manage that uh, gins, cocktails. I, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for fancy cocktails that look cool or do cool things when you when you get them. Um, wow, like what? If they set it on fire, that's always pretty cool. Um, yes. If there's smoke around, that can be quite fun. I've had some of them change colour. You never worried with the fire ones about first, second, or third degree burns. <laughs> I keep a safe distance. Um, because I, I went to one place where the guy was like, watch this. And he blew very finely powdered sugar across some alcohol that was already on fire. And oh. it was just a giant fireball. And I had to say, I think what you mean is step back. <laughs> watch this. Well, you see, again, I'm trying to think of a deal, but I am Greek Cypriot or par right. partially Greek Cypriot. And the thing is, I, I have been to a Greek Easter ceremony, which is just a lesson in avoiding being set on fire. Because you have, it's, it's, it's a church, it's midnight-ish. Um, it's full of Greek women with large quantities of hair. Yes. Because we all have a lot of hair. Yes. 
Uh, many people will have applied hairspray to add that extra, you know, volume. Yeah. And it's all down, and everyone's standing there holding a candle, and the priest is going to pass the light through the church. So everyone's going to end up holding a lit candle, jostled together, and then you're all going to try and leave through the same door. Uh, with your lit candles in an orderly fashion and take that home. So suddenly you've got an army of people trying to fit through a door with lit candles and hair everywhere. So once you've survived that, that's basically like your your uh, hazing ritual for the world. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Um, and since we're worried about getting caught on fire, uh, let's talk about just a couple of words that we mentioned earlier before <laughs> we started. Let's start with damp which you, you've you got a story about. I do. So I haven't fact-checked this for a long time, but I was told when I was studying Paradise Lost at school that damp was one of the words that Milton is supposed to have invented. Uh, wow. Or been credited with inventing, anyway. Um, and I just think it's amazing that, like, you, you didn't go for the grand, like, defenestrate or kind of, you know, Latin conjoined words you stick bits together and kind of craft a, a word you go for the mm. midpoint between moist and soggy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah until now <laughs> everything in the world has been in one of these two states and we need one in between i, I just did a quick search for uh, words invented by milton or at least popularized by milton mm. uh, impassive obtrusive jubilant loquacious unconvincing satanic obviously <laughs> persona fragrance disregard damp, cooking wow you criticize see criticize and sensuous so you know some of these i'm sure were around but it was milton that really nailed them down as a i word mean for people they're pretty use. useful words i feel like he didn't go for fancy he went for functional yeah disregard. i mean loquacious is a little bit is a little bit fancy but they're not like shakespeare words are they discandy only used once in the entire history of English in that one Shakespeare line where he And made now it twice. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said it. I can be You've been modernized by Steve Cross. On Wiktionary. No, I'm sure the second reference is to the York notes of the first <laughs> reference. Um and yeah, unrelated so but the, the unrelated to damp dank, which is one yeah. of these words that suddenly all over the world and people like me are trying to work out what does it mean when these youngsters say it? Well, I always thought that damp and dank were connected, which they sort of are, but they're like connected like distant cousins rather than like twins. So your your damp kind of comes from a, a root word meaning sort of steamy or smoky or kind of to do with that kind of moisture in the air. Yeah. Uh, but then dank uh, comes from a Swedish root before it gets to, to Middle English and it's to do with it being like a swamp or a bog. So it would still be... Uh, moisture in the air but it's more to do with it being like in a marsh so what people are really doing is they are in fact sharing marsh memes and I think that's uh... Gollum would approve from your favourite book (laughs) Um, just to rewind slightly now what's the special English word for words that mean the same as their opposite a word that can be used for two opposite things they're called contronyms ah for instance I'm going to dust you dust the strawberries and sugar, you put dust on them. Yes. You dust the table, you get the dust off. So dank, it turns out, um, is because the internet's so confused, it is a contronym in that a dank meme is uh, an overused trend that has finished or it's a unique or weird meme. <laughs> so uh, it either means a rubbish old done one or a brand new one. And there we go, contronym doesn't start with D. Disaffected. Um, so we're at the end of the very long 
COVID-y nonsense, hopefully. Like there's a new there's a new um version ripping around, but apparently it's not putting people in hospital, so maybe it's gonna be okay. Um how's how's the mood? Are you feeling are you feeling disaffected? I'm feeling disaffected, defeated, depressed and distressed. Oh no. Uh, we need largely some... tired, but you know, that that doesn't start with a D. Um yeah, I think it's just that kind of you just don't see other humans or you do if you live in a house with them but then they're the wrong other humans yeah yeah yeah. they're um, the ones you saw yesterday and the day before yeah but nothing new to say to them you know I mean, i've got there. my dad exactly. my dad is downstairs i've seen him before we can make the same dad jokes every day they're never going to get older but no. they're also never going to get more interesting i found the problem is that because none of us are doing anything would um it's quite hard to do small talk and chat because mm. like if i've been in the house all day with somebody they're gonna go what do you do steve well it's like you remember you watched me i went out and i did some work and i came back and I, it's like there's nothing interesting here i'm so sorry it's just dead air mm. that was that was wonderful so have you got any favorite d words that we haven't talked about I'm quite a fan of diaphanous. Ooh, so, what's this? Diaphanous is usually used for fabric, but it's about something being light, translucent, and sort of air, like floaty and shimmery fabric. Wow, so, okay. So it's like my Anything ca- vaguely nymph-like. <laughs> it's just light, see-through, has no real weight to it. <laughs> that sort of thing. Die. Uh, sorry, I'm looking it up because I want to get some... Um, no, it's all right. You explained it. I don't need to look it up. Um, that's a good one. Any more D words? Uh, oh, I, I, I did... Uh, what did I say? Yeah, I, I think I used used one of my other D, D words earlier. It's the uh, one that's now gone out of my head. Um, they do that. Just for listeners uh, who are out there looking for good D words, uh, thoroughly recommend Dimetrodon. And uh, if you just want to read about the absolute excesses of philosophy, Diogenes. Uh, go and read up on Diogenes. A very interesting person. Dodecahedron. That's a 20-sided dice, isn't it? Dodecahedron is a... Isn't it? don't know. 12-sided? Okay, now we have to go look. So who's going to be right? I mean, it'll be... <laughs> it'll be Zoe, because Zoe's clever. And I am not. 12 faces on a dodecahedron. So uh, I there's a kid's book I had growing up called The Phantom Tollbooth, which is great. It's full of puns and full of like plays on ideas. So there is a literal spelling bee that buzzes around, spelling stuff out, that kind of thing. Uh, but there's a character in that called the Dodecahedron, which is a 12-faced man. Amazing. And he has one face for each emotion that he spins around. and What a clever metaphor. In place. Simile, one of them. Image. So one of device. device device that's it right so zoe we're just going to finish with a nice simple one dueling right ah you go you can you can bring one historical dead figure they've got to be dead for legal reasons right. back to life and you're going to fight them who do you want to fight oh someone someone i want to what re-kill is this yeah. the idea yeah yeah punish them once again for their sins in life or you just think it might be really fun to duel them? No, I'm just thinking like the there are some people who'd be fun to duel, but I'd probably lose. Uh, in which case, I'd then be dead, and that might be less fun. Well, you um, could you could differentiate the weapon you have from the weapon they have. Cannon full of grape shot versus banana. Because <laughs> there was a really cool um, American woman called the Jaguar who won so many duels that 
remember terrified of actually fighting against her because she just kept killing them. Um, and she'd just be really cool to see in action, but I wouldn't necessarily want to actually be stabbed. So let's let's bring her back, and then let's bring somebody else back. And, and you're going to be the, the kind of promoter of this duel now. You're not the actual duelist. Oh, excellent. You're the one putting uh, on this fight in Vegas. Who's <laughs> she going to fight? I think... Oh, okay, so I'll stick with the D theme. I think she's going to fight Daniel Defoe. Good. Good for his I'm looking at my crimes. bookcase for for people who annoyed me when I was reading, um, and I think one of one of the big reasons she's going to fight Daniel Defoe is that he gets far too much attention. Yes. Um, you know, apparently for having invented the novel um, with Robinson Crusoe, but also because there are many more interesting people writing books at this time. But I have to read about him. Yeah, that uh, dips. And that's just that's just. He's a dinosaur. He's a dinosaur from a different age. Even in his own time. Amazing. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zoe. I feel like we've learned everything about you now. We can go and make a psychological profile uh, that will be very complex and use it for identity theft, which is, of course, the main reason people listen to podcasts. Have you got anything that you'd like to advertise to our lovely listeners? Where well, can they, on the, where can they uh, hear more of your On uh, the theme of uh, the letter delightful D. voice. I'm in a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Yeah, and you um, roll a dodecahedron. I'm playing a druid oh, uh, as well. But not a dwarven druid. No, no, an academic. But, you know, we can't we can't have everything. Some other letters need representation too. Yeah, um, academic. She's a do-gooder. Uh, yes. And academic or dickhead to give the uh, druid. Yes, te- technical term. Yeah. Technical term. That is over at livelovecraft.com or on Twitter as at Lovecraft D and D. Yep, Steve's in it it's too. It's got me on it, but I've never followed it on Twitter yet. <laughs> it it hasn't tweeted at me, so I haven't followed it yet. So, you know, I've done. <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, and other than that, I'm on Twitter at at the ZHM. Now, is, is that a, the NHM reference or because I always it's my read initials. it? Initials. Okay, it's but a the, convenient the... usage of my initials. That's been episode one. Thanks so much for joining me and Zoe for Life Through a Letter. Soon there will be episode two, and episode two will be something completely different, featuring somebody completely different. Uh, If you enjoyed our background music, that was um, Passchelbel's Canon in D major, the cheesiest piece of classical music that has ever been made, um, but slowed down to five beats per minute. Uh, There's a load of other audio trickery going on in there to make it sound like angels slowly breathing out. But um, yeah, five beats per minute is the secret behind that music. This has been episode one. I've been Steve Cross. This episode was written, produced, directed, made and everything by me. See you very soon for more!